got your Bibles, get your Bibles out. We'll go into the Word a little bit, see what it has to say to us. Use your iPad, your iPhone, your Android, whatever, your regular Bible if you need to. I encourage you to bring the paper one. Paper one's nice because you can flip to it, and then it gets you familiar with where stuff's at, and then you can mark in it. You can highlight and underline and annotate in, in your Bible. Yes, you can do that. It is not sacrilege, and it'll help you. It'll help you. When you get to certain places in the Bible that you have made notes on before, you go, oh, I remember that. And it'll come alive to you again. Amen? So bring your Bibles. And if you don't have one, we've got some in the back. They're nice. We've got some nice little Bibles. Y'all can grab when you come in. If you forgot it, look it over. Underline in that one too. It's totally fine. The next person will appreciate it. <laughs> All right. So we're in a healer series, and we're finding out that number one, God loves who? Me. Who? Say it again. Say it with some conviction. God loves who? Me. Me, he loves me, right? Not just you guys, he loves me. And it's important that we realize that. It is the basis of understanding of us trusting and believing God, that God loves me. Is that true? And then we saw that it is God's will to heal. It is absolutely God's will that we be healed. And we saw that from Jesus' example. We see it throughout the New Testament. God wants us well. Jesus paid the price and he didn't do it in vain. He took stripes on his back right, for a reason, a vicious, a vicious beating for a reason. God said, those stripes were laid on Jesus' back so that you could be healed. And Christ himself took our infirmities and he bore our sicknesses and our pain. Come on now, that's good news, amen? That means we can release it. We can let him take it like he did 2,000 years ago and we can be made whole and be healed, amen? So we've gotta believe that it's God's will. It is impossible, everybody say impossible, It is impossible to pray a prayer of faith before you know the will of God. Absolutely impossible. We have to know the will of God. This is why we have so many prayers that say, you pray this prayer of, Lord, I just, I'm believing that you'll heal me and I thank you for your goodness. And if it be your will, heal me right now. And that's somebody that does not know the will of God. You cannot pray a prayer of faith without knowing what the will of God is. So when we approach God in prayer, we've already gone to what he said in the word. We've already seen what he said. He said, Lord, you said this. And he said, put me in remembrance of my word. Did God forget? No, he wants you to remind him that you know what it says. Lord, this is what your word said. And I'm coming before you healthy and whole in Jesus' name because he already took the stripes for me. So God's like, now there's somebody that believes my word. There's somebody that believes me. So we, if we're gonna pray a prayer of faith, and trust me, there's no other kind of prayer that works. The prayer of faith is the one that saves the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. That's the only kind of prayer that works with the Lord, the prayer of faith. We cannot pray a prayer of faith until the will of God is known. So if we don't know what the will of God is for a situation, where do we go? Come on, somebody help me. The word, right? We go to the word. What's God's will in this situation? Amen? Then we can pray a prayer of faith. Is that true? Got to know the will of God. So if we're, still, if we're still stewing on that, keep, keep meditating on it. Keep muttering that back to yourself. Look at those scriptures that God loves us and that he has a good plan for us, that Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly, that Jesus did take stripes on his back 2,000 years ago, right? That he took my sicknesses and my infirmities and he bore my pains and my sorrows, amen? Let that word soak because then you see it was God's plan, his plan of redemption and destiny for you to be healthy and whole, amen? That doesn't mean we don't walk through stuff. But the point is, is that we walk through stuff and we're out on the other side. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Who does God love? He loves me. 17 times we saw Jesus healed everybody that was in front of him. Crowds, all of them. 
Not one time did he say, mm, not for you. God did this. You need to suffer through this. Heal them all. All that were oppressed of the devil. Come on, that's good news. He healed them all. And he is the express image of our father. Thank you, Lord. Last week we saw and talked about roadblocks to healing. Don't have time to go through that, but there are roadblocks in our thinking and our believing that can keep us from experiencing the full plan of God in our lives. Is that true? It's been, it's been the case in our life, and it's been in the case of people you know. It's the case of denominations and Christians all over the world. There are roadblocks, things that have been taught and believed that are keeping them from the plan of God, and it is not God's fault. Right? We have a good daddy. He loves us. He wants us to understand these things, but he will not violate his word. He will not let his word be violated. So if we are saying we want to believe in healing, but we're talking the negative and the hurt and the pain and the what ifs, we are, we are countermanding the faith that we had established in his word with our own mouths. He needs us to agree with him so that he can work in our lives. It's the way he set it up. If he could just do anything carte blanche any way he wanted, we'd all be saved and out of here right now because he wants us all to be saved, right? But there's a part we have to play. We have to witness to our neighbor and in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, right? We have to do our part so that the gospel can be preached, right? We have to do our part to be saved. We have to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth. We have to do our part to walk in healing. We've got to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth. We have a part in this. So these roadblocks can hinder us and keep us. So if you didn't hear that, go back and hear that again. It'll help you because sometimes it helps to know what's keeping you from something when you just don't see it. Anybody ever been there? just had the blinders on, just did not see why we were beating our head against the wall. And then when you get outside of the situation, you're like, well, if I would have just done that, I would have been out in two seconds, right? It's like watching a maze from the top. Turn left, turn right, turn left, go straight, you're there. But you don't see that when you're in there. You gotta trust. Okay, Lord, you gotta lead me. You gotta help me out. And he wants to, amen? And he's willing. Everybody say he's willing. This morning, I I want us to look at that Jesus truly is the Christ. And we say this all the time because it's our, it's our Christianese, Jesus Christ. It's in the name of who we serve. But in that name that Jesus is the Christ, he is the anointed one and it's his anointing. That's what Christ means. It's the Messiah, Mashiach, they say in Hebrew, the anointed one and his anointing. So every time they said the Christ, they were saying the anointed one and his anointing. The anointing from God is what destroys the yoke. The anointing on Jesus is what allowed him to do and say and be everything that God called him to be. It was the anointing. He became the Messiah, the anointed one and his anointing. When we, when we download this into our hearts and our spirits and we understand how much God lives in us, how big he is on the inside of us, that Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, is in us. His spirit rests on us, lives in us, breathes through us. All these obstacles just become small and trivial and minor. How many drivers do I have in here? Drivers, okay? Happy, y'all need to get licenses, okay? (laughs) You ever come up to a speed bump and just go, my goodness, I don't know if we're gonna make it over. I mean, that looks, that's the beefiest speed bump I've ever seen. What, what are we going to do? Ever? Anybody ever said that? My cousin, when I was driving with her one time, I was like 15. She was like 17. We were driving in, a, in a, like an old Ford Falcon. I think it was an old Ford Falcon, my grandpa's car. And we were just cruising into this grocery store. And she put it into coast and she rolled up to this speed bump. I know she had done this before. She rolled up to the speed bump, got up on the edge, 
And then we fell back down. <laughs> and I was like, what are you doing? Nobody does that. And she just looked at me with a grin on her face, just trying to get a reaction out of me, right? But it was just a speed bump. There was, there was really no hindrance there. It's just a caution, slow down, right? Take a minute, take a breath, look around, true? So these, these, these obstacles in our lives that seem insurmountable are honestly just speed bumps in the road. That's how we get to view them when we put ourselves in Christ and see his anointing in us. This is nothing. This is nothing. God can cure a headache just as quick as he can cure cancer. I mean, it is nothing to him. He's not holding back based on the severity. We put the limits. We put the severity on issues. We're the ones that look at obstacles and say, that looks like a mountain. And in reality, in reality, from the eyes of God and what he wants us to perceive this, it's just a speed bump. We can just, we can just cruise right on over that, right on through. Amen? Christ, the anointed one and his anointing. Look at Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Thank you, Lord. Perspective. Perspective is everything in the kingdom. Just seeing what it actually looks like from the bird's eye view. Are we raised together with Christ? Yes, seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What kind of a perspective is that? Bird's eye view. Bird's eye view. Man, it just seems so easy to navigate when you can see from the top. You ever get, uh, get out in the woods and you, get, you go up high, try to get up high where you can see around you a little bit? You're in the forest of the woods, you try to get on a rock or climb a tree. I was just hunting this year and we were in some thick brush when we could see this valley and on the Google map it looked like a meadow but when we got there, when we hiked into this place, it was like 10 foot tall scrub brush. So you get in there, you can't see anything. You can't see if there's any animals you're hunting for. I mean, nothing. So I, I told my hunting buddy, I said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to Zacchaeus up this little tree right here, and I'm going to take a look, right? And he's like, you don't need to do that. I go, well, I want to do this. So I, I did. I scurried up this tree. He's, he's laughing at me because I'm not the spry chicken I used to be, you know, a little, little more grunting than there used to be, trying to wiggle around branches and stuff. But I got up high enough that I could see, you know what? This whole thing is full of scrub brush. But if we go down this way, we'll end up where we want to be. And there's just something about having a little better perspective, Right? Just a little better perspective, amen? So, <clears throat> Matthew chapter 16. Is that where I told you to go? Matthew chapter 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, he said to his disciples, who do you say that I am? He just asked them, what do, who do men say that I am? And they said, some think you're a prophet. But he says, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell. You know, it's interesting that uh, Jesus told Peter that God had revealed to him that he was the Christ. Peter didn't get that from a book. He didn't get it from a lecture, right? He didn't even hear it from Jesus himself. He said, God has revealed this to you. And I'm telling you, every single one of us need a revelation, not just head knowledge that Jesus is the Messiah, but I mean a revelation on the inside of what does that look like to me? Because Jesus is your Messiah. 
He is the son of the living God. And he paid the price in full. Man, that makes a difference. It changes how we act, how we respond, how we think, how we talk when we believe this with all our heart. Because if the, if the Messiah has made residence in me, then I'm going to respond different, talk different, think different. Things are going to come out of me that are to his praise and his glory. Amen? Man, it changes everything. And I love this, that Jesus said that on this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. The gates of hell. Did you know that the, a gate is not a weapon? What does a gate do? It, it, it keeps people in or out, right? The gates of hell is not a weapon. People think, well, we're going to bombard the gates of hell. You don't have to bombard it. They won't prevail against you. The reason why Jesus said this is because Christians, us, we're supposed to be on the offensive. We're supposed to be on the offensive. We get so caught, we get tired. We do, we get tired. Life gets tired, we get drained, we get thinking about all kinds of stuff, and we get tired, and we go on the defense. And when stuff just comes at us, we become reactive instead of proactive. We are called to be proactive. Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail because we're supposed to go after hell itself and snatch people out of the fire. Give them the truth. You don't have to be sick. You don't have to be ill. You don't have to be hurt. The enemy wants people shut in, and he'll, he'll use Christians to do it. He wants them closed in, closed-minded, and, and keep these gates around them, that this is, this is your destiny, and this is what you're called to be, and you just have to suffer through it. And the Bible says that the gates of hell will not prevail against us, the church. We are called to be proactive, to be on the offensive, so I say this because when you get sick, you need to go on the offensive immediately. First sniffle, first pain, first twitch. No, absolutely not. Satan, take your hands off of me in Jesus' name. I'm not putting up with this. There's a different attitude there. You're going after him. He thought he was gonna sneak something in on you and you're saying no right away, right away. I'm telling you, there's a difference between hurting yourself and using an expletive and then being hurt and just saying, Lord, now I did this. I hurt myself, but I thank you. You're my healer. I smashed my finger bad in the garage one time. And my, my seven-year-old daughter was in there. And man, oh man. I mean, it wasn't like a temptation for me to lose my cool, but this was an opportunity for her to see how dad reacts when something bad happens. And something bad happens. And she was like, are you okay? I'm literally just holding my hand above my head because the throbbing, you know, you're just trying to get blood out of there, right? Just get it out of there immediately. But I was saying, Lord, I just thank you that I'm healthy in Jesus' name. This hurts like crazy, but I'm healed. I'm healed. I did it to myself, but I'm healed. Even in accidents, I thank you for healing my finger. I thank you, Lord. I just kept it on a high note. I kept thanking the Lord. When was the last time you got hurt and you were thanking the Lord? You gotta do that. It has not come to the flesh naturally. Your spirit wants to start praising the second it happens. Start praising him, thanking him for it right now. Go on the offensive. Absolutely not. I did this to myself and it hurts, but I am not gonna accept just any fate in this. I am the healed of the Lord. I am redeemed from the curse of the law. Jesus became a curse for me. This hurts to remind me to not do that again, but I don't have to wait six weeks for it to get healed. True? I mean, you can have just supernatural, miraculous healings quicker than anybody else. Many, many testimonies, doctors saying, I've never seen a broken bone heal like that. I've never seen it. 
Man, that was fast. Yep, that's the Lord. What are you saying? What are you thinking? What are you believing? It matters, amen? But when Jesus lives in you, man, add some super to that natural. Go on the offensive. Don't put up with it. Don't sit back and just, okay, Lord, I'll just, I'll just suffer through for you. He's not getting any glory from that. He wants to see you rise up and go head on with it and go, mm-mm, not gonna happen, not in my house. Absolutely not. Flu, you can't be in my house. Sickness, you can't be in my house. There's no cancer in my house. No way. Man, I, I plead the blood over my home and my family and my cars and my property. The blood of Jesus. Come on now. It can't live here. If it shows up, we're gonna deal with it. We're going after it. We're going on the offensive because the gates of hell will not prevail. The church is meant to rise up, to be on the offensive. Man, let's go after these people that don't know Jesus. We gotta be aggressive sometimes. I don't mean obnoxious. I just mean you're snatching them from hell. Say what you need to say. There are times and seasons for everything, true? True. So you're gonna get opportunities to say what you need to say. Slip those nuggets in. Tell them. Present the gospel. Do it simply. The gospel is simple. But man, we are destined to snatch people from hell. We're destined to be carriers of the anointing. Carriers of it. To bring health and healing and hope to the world. We're destined for it. But we gotta go on the offensive. We can't just sit around and wait for stuff to happen. Can we? Can we afford that? Man, I'm telling you, the time is so short. Are you guys paying attention to the news? There is stuff going on in Israel every single week. They are amassing armies around its borders. They're bringing weapons around the borders. I mean, they are setting up for end time events. And guess where it's not? It is not in mainstream media. You got to go hunting for this stuff. But it is happening every single day. They are dealing with some sort of threat. That just, all that does is excite me because Jesus is getting closer and closer and closer and closer. Israel will not be wiped off the map. (laughs) They will thrive and survive. Keep your eyes out. Jesus is coming back. We don't have another year or two to waste. You don't have another decade. We've got to get after this thing. Amen? Amen. And it starts with us recognizing Jesus Christ, the anointed one, and his anointing lives in me. That means I can do better. I can be better. I can live bigger than I am right now. Right? You want, you want to wake up and the enemy go, oh, no. She's awake again. Yeah, every morning. Come on, let's go get something. Come on, Lord, where are, you, where are you taking me? Let's go get somebody saved. Let's go get somebody healed. What do you have for me today? The offensive, amen? amen. It's much more fun to be on the offensive than the defensive. When you're defending yourself, you're just falling back and blocking and parrying and just, you know, you're just, it's, it's a horrible place to be. When you're on the offensive and you're going, you're advancing, there's something about that. The enemy does not want that from you. <laughs> he does not want that from you. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is to the church. This is to the church. That means you have authority to bind things in your life. I promise you right now, the enemy's got plans for you. Why? Because you are committed. You're in church. You're hearing the word. You're trying to be a world changer. You're trying to teach your kids to be a world changer. And the enemy has plans for you to get you derailed and off track. You do not have to take the bait. The Bible says you, if you bind it, it's bound in heaven. If you loose it, it's loosed in heaven. That means you have authority with your mouth, with your words, with your belief, with the Christ that lives in you. You have authority. 
Think about that. You have authority. So if there's something going on in your life that you don't like, bind it up in Jesus' name. Take authority. They have, the enemy has to listen to you. But he will not listen to any wishy-washy, mealy-mouthed, uncertain Christians. He won't. He doesn't have to. He only has to respond to faith. So how do you get there? How do you get to a place of faith? The Bible says it's simple. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you and I don't take the time to ingest and digest this word into our spirits, we will be weak. The Lord showed a prophet one time. He showed him a bunch of uh, Christians in different churches and denominations, and he showed them what they look like spiritually speaking. And there were a handful of people that were vibrant and healthy and strong. But he said, by and large, the vast majority looked weak and sickly in their spirits. And he said they were, they were saved. You could tell the difference between the saved and the unsaved. But the Christians were so tired and weak because they were not feeding on the word of God. What would you like, look like if you didn't eat for a month? Think about it. What's our food? What's, what's a Christian's spiritual food? What do we feed on? The word of God. The word's our food. I'm telling you, there is nothing more important than you spending time in the word. And it's not about just chapter, chapter, chapter. Woo, I got five done. It's not about that. Take your time. Ease on in. Cut that steak a little smaller and just savor it a little bit, right? You don't need a cheesecake in one bite, you crazies. You eat that little tiny bit at a time, right? You just savor it. Savor the word of God. Soak it up. Take it in, ingest it, let it, let it stew. I'm telling you, you start getting stronger, stuff comes up, you just respond different. You're like, where did that come from? Who was that? Did I say that? Yeah, it'll come right out of you when you start putting this in. It's important to put the word of God in. You've got to do it every day, not out of ritual, not out of religion. Think of it as your meal. Man, I'm, just, I'm taking a meal this morning. Amen? Mm-hmm. You got to do it. You, gotta, you cannot be the Christian you were destined to be without the word of God in you. You cannot do it. You're doing it all in your own strength. Everybody okay? You guys doing all right? Whatever you bind in, bind in earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He's saying if you bind it in the earth, we're backing you up. If you loose it in the earth, we're backing you up. Why? Because you are the church and Christ the anointed one lives in you. Heaven is backing you up. He's backing you up. What are you saying? What are you believing? What are you thinking about? It makes a difference, amen? amen. <laughs> One of the things we need to do in this is we truly need to eradicate and just blow up our past. Our, our past is a hindrance in a lot of ways. I'm not talking about the faith victories. I'm talking about the seeming failures in our lives. There are things that have happened to us in experiences and whatever that is that will hold us up because of what we have experienced. And we cannot base our faith based on what we experience. And I've said that before and I need to say it over and over because there are tons of us that deal with these things on a regular basis. We're like, well, what about this? And what about this? And this person and this person and I thought and what? I don't understand. But the truth is, is we've got to be willing to just package it up, blow it to smithereens and start fresh from where, where we are right now. Faith is now. What does the word say? And move forward. That's what we have to do. 
Fourth of July, like four or five years ago, we went down to a farmer's field friend's house to celebrate the Fourth of July. And my buddy and several of his friends and us, we got the brilliant idea that we would just blow up a dishwasher. You know, why not? Why not? It's Fourth of July. You're on a farmer's field. So you know, we, it, was a, it, was a, it was a used one. They'd yanked it out, and it was going to the dump anyway. So why not? This will be fun. So we dragged this dishwasher into the field, and it's a good... I don't know, 50, 60 yards away, 150 feet or so. And so, like all intelligent farmers and friends, we put all the families in a circle, right, in chairs to watch the event. It was wonderful. What could possibly go wrong? So, you know, these aren't just normal fireworks. These are farmer fireworks, right? This is at least an eighth of a stick of dynamite. It's like an MD-80 quarter stick, something like that. So we get it all set up. People look like they're safely far enough away. And I'm thinking, I don't think anybody's far enough away. (laughs) And we light that thing, lock the dishwasher. That was brilliant. Lock it and then, you know, hightail it out of there. And then, like geniuses that we are, we just stood there and waited. (laughs) What's going to happen? That dishwasher peeled open like a pop can. I mean, there was not a recognizable part of it anywhere. It just... Boom, to smithereens. Just parts and pieces just gone. You could not have put it back together. It was impossible. Nobody got hurt, even though there was shrapnel. (laughs) Nobody got hurt. But in my mind, I just think about some of these things in my past that didn't have to go. And I just think of it being a dishwasher. Open that door, drop the firecracker in there, lock it up, say, see you later. I'm not coming back to you. And just let it go. Let it go. Don't let your past hinder you. And moving forward with God's plan for your life. Just, if you got to think about that every time, putting it in the dishwasher and blowing it up, just do it. That's gone. That's in my past. I'm not dealing with that anymore. God has redeemed me from that, right? And if it wasn't the results you thought you should have gotten, let's go to the word. Let's go to the word. What does the word say? Amen? That's that question, right? We keep asking ourselves. Something comes up. What does the word say? Amen? Say that with me. What does the word say? Come on now. That'll help you. What does the word say? Amen. <laughs> so we've got to be willing to speak. We've got to be willing to speak to things. Take authority. Bind, loose. <clears throat> Jesus said this. Go over, to, um, go over to Hebrews chapter 2. You doing all right? Still with me? <clears throat> Jesus, man, he is a great example, is he not? The example. Thank you, Lord. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. We'll start in verse 10. Verse 10, Hebrews 2. For it was fitting for him, for whom, that's Jesus, for whom all things and by whom are all things and bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of our salvation perfect through our sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. That's us. We're the brethren of Jesus. Come on now saying, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here am I, the children whom God, here, sorry, here am I and the children whom God has given me. Verse 14, inasmuch then as the children have been partakers or partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same through death, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. 
I'm going to read that one more time. Verse 14. This is Jesus. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood. That's us. We've partaken of flesh and blood. He himself likewise shared in the same. So he took on flesh and blood. Amen. That was Jesus. He shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. Just in case we were unclear with what he was saying. He said that. Jesus destroyed that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. So who does the Bible say has the power of death? The enemy. How did he get that? When Adam sinned, right? He, Adam and Eve handed it over. They handed over the lease rights to the earth. God said, this is yours, be fruitful and multiply. When they violated that covenant with God, they handed over the lease rights to the enemy. Now, the enemy had the power of death. And that says that Jesus, through death, destroyed him who had the power of death. That is the devil. He's destroyed. He is put under our feet. Isn't that amazing? Jesus said that those that believe on him should never die. And his disciples are like, huh? People are dying all the time. He wasn't talking about physical death. He's talking about spiritual death. You know that if you're born again, you don't ever, ever, ever have to experience spiritual death. It's way worse than physical death. Spiritual death is realizing you ain't in the good place, right? The gates of hell have opened up and received you. Spiritual death, separation from God, forever. Horrible. You don't ever have to experience that if you're born again. You're serving the Lord. You step out of your body, it's like taking a glove off. You'd be like, well, that's done. What's next? It's amazing. Everybody, everybody that has stepped out of their body and come back in and experienced the light of the goodness of God on the other side just for a moment before the Lord either brought them back or somebody else said, come back into your body in Jesus' name. Every one of them said, well, it was easy. It felt so good. My body felt so good. Matter of fact, I was feeling so good that when I finally came back into my body, I was like, what's the matter? Oh, I feel terrible. Oh, I'm back in my body. (laughs) Because it's just so different. We don't even know. Jesus, through his death, destroyed him who had the power of death. Think about that. You don't have to put up with death in your body. Death meaning sickness, disease, illness. You don't have to die sick or broken. You could die healthy from just being old. It's okay. That's a good thing. Death is of the devil, I'm telling you. Death was not part of the Garden of Eden. They didn't even understand it. They, didn't even, they couldn't even wrap their head around it. When Cain died, they were like, he died? He died? After they were kicked out of the garden? Just think about that. They'd never seen it. Not in a human. Man, the devil's defeated. When you get a hold of that, You'll stop putting up with stuff going on in your body. You'll stop putting up with stuff he's doing in your family. You'll stop putting up with stuff he's doing in your finances. You'll stop putting up with it. Like, nope, not doing it anymore. I'm going on the offensive. I'm putting you on notice, devil. I'm coming. You, what you stole, you will restore in Jesus' name. I'm coming. Watch out. This is what the word said. And he's like, oh, crud. They've been going to Westside, listening to that guy. Man, we got to get them busier. We got to get them out of the word. We got to get them so swamped they don't know what to do. That worked on anybody lately? (laughs) 
It's a tactic because he knows you stay in this word. You keep coming to church. You keep hearing the word. You keep making changes. You keep changing the way you believe. You keep changing the way you talk. You're going to start changing your world. And when you figure out how your world changes, you'll start changing other things going on around you and speaking life into other people. And they'll come on and be like, whoa, where did that come from? That's the Lord. He's teaching me some things. Once you come to church, we'll find out more about it. Amen? There's just something about a believer that knows who they are in Christ. You talk different, think different, act different. Yeah? Come on now. Jesus destroyed them. Boy, that's good news. Revelation 1.18 says this, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Jesus not only whooped the devil, but he took the keys of authority from him. He doesn't have authority over you anymore. Not when you're a king's kid, right? We are, we are adopted sons and daughters of the king of kings and lord of lords. And Jesus holds the keys. That's authority. And then he's delegated authority to the church. We have to use it. We have got to stop thinking reactively and thinking proactively. We've got to stop these prayers of, Lord, if it be thy will. Jesus never told us to pray that. He said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is much more proactive than reactive. True? Man, we've got to get to the place where we're like, okay, Lord, I don't understand this situation, and I don't need to know it, but I know what your word says, and I'm praying this prayer of faith. This is what I believe. This is what your word says. Remind him of his word. He loves it. It requires some effort on our part. It requires some hunting in the word. (laughs) The Amplified says, I have the keys of absolute control and victory over death and of Hades, which is the realm of the dead. He has absolute control and authority over it. He's taken them, stripped the enemy of it. Stripped him of it. The only authority that the enemy can exercise in our lives is what we give up to him. That's it. So my solution, my challenge to you is close the door to the enemy. Don't let him in. Don't agree with what he's telling you. Don't agree with what the world is telling you about yourself. Do not agree with that. You get a bad report, say thank you, and go to the word. Right? Don't call six of your closest friends and say, this is what I've got. (laughs) Guess what you just added? You just claimed it for yourself. The doctor said this, but guess what the word says, right? Always keep yourself on the right side of the butt, (laughs) B-U-T. This is what it looks like, but God said this, and that's more important. Right? That will get you and keep you out of so much trouble. Come on now. The situation looks like this, but those are just facts. The truth is I'm redeemed. The truth is I am set free by the blood of the lamb. That's the truth. Boy, that'll put you on a different level. There's mountains that we're trying to climb in our life that God never told us to climb. He told us to speak to it and told it to get out of the way. And here we are just like, oh, I'm gonna make it to the top. God didn't want you to climb that thing. That was an obstacle in your path. He wanted you to speak to it and tell it to get out of the way. Stop climbing some of those, right? Stop fighting. Stop working so hard to get over the top of that. Step back, look at it, say, Lord, what do you want me to do about that? Don't tell God to move it. He didn't say, pray and I'll move the mountain. He said, you say to the mountain, be removed and get into the sea. That means you have a part to play. The big part. God's the force. He's the effort. He's the muscle. But he said, you speak to it and it will go. 
You see that? I mean, there's mountains in our lives that are really, are really in perspective, just speed bumps. They feel like and look like mountains sometimes, and we should never even been on them. Never. That's not to be, uh, to, to pull us back or to make us feel condemned. That's just to say, you know what? I might be working a little bit too hard on this one. I think I need to rest in the Lord and use my words a little bit more, use my faith a little bit more, use what God gave me a little bit more, a little bit more authority in this area. True? I mean, it's, is it easier to climb a mountain or speak to it? I mean, come on now. Thank you, Lord. Using our words. We've got to be committed, absolutely committed to what we say. Your words, I say this so many times, and I'm telling you, we've got to catch our kids on it. We've got to catch our own mouths on it. We've got to help our spouses out. Come on now, we've got to be a little bit of confession police. You guys remember that from the 80s and 90s? Well, we got a lot of flack in the church for being confession police. Like, ah, oh, you guys are just that name it and claim it bunch. That confess it, possess it bunch. Blab it and grab it. Uh, and we were made fun of. Like, that's how you got saved. You named it and claimed it. You've got to con- believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And then you have Jesus said, whatsoever things you desire, believe you receive them when you pray and you'll have them. That's naming it and claiming it. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. We've got to get back to this place where we are watching what we say. We've got to help ourselves and those around us because it matters what we say. When your kids say, if your kids ever said, I'm stupid or I'm dumb, you would jump all over them. Oh, that's fighting words. You can't say that. You are not allowed to say that. That is not the truth, right? They can't say that to their siblings. Why? Because we're trying to teach them to be polite? No, we're trying to teach them how to speak life. So we gotta do it to ourselves. We gotta teach ourselves how to speak right, talk right. You gotta be totally committed. When I was skydiving, well, I was at 13,500 feet. I got two instructors. One climbs out on the wing, and he says, the one behind me says, okay, you climb out to him. Right now? Yeah, right now. It's time. We're there. We're over the, we're over the zone. When you climb out onto that wing and you're hanging on, right, you got a, you got a moment of decision. They won't, they won't yank you off of there. You've got to step off. But I'm telling you what, once you let go, Use committed. Use in the air. Right? And you are relying on the equipment that you have been trained on and that you are wearing and strapped into to safely land you on the ground. But, but you're in. And the type of skydiving I did, I had two instructors, but I was not attached to them. I had my own parachute. So when I wave off and pull my ripcord, they peel out of the way so they don't get hit by it, and then I'm on my own. That's it. You, that's, that's full commitment, right? And this is the kind of commitment we need to take as believers. Let go of the airplane. Step all the way into the river. God's got you. The equipment works. It will safely land you where you need to be. But we got a whole bunch of Christians just hanging out in the plane when you're not supposed to be in the plane, right? You're supposed to let go. I love that phrase where... Uh, you ask somebody, dad asks guys in the jail all the time, how are you guys doing? Well, I'm just hanging on. He goes, well, what for? <laughs> just let go. <laughs> Try it. Just let go. Got to be committed. Got to be committed. Man, it just takes a little bit of effort, but little, it didn't take me very much to just go. Right, that was easy. Sayonara. <laughs> right? You airborne, two miles up. 
just takes a little bit of, okay, I'm doing it. I'm trusting him. I'm going after this thing, right? Going on the offensive. Does the word work? You've proven that for yourself yet? In any area? If it works in any area, it works in every area. Every area. Apply it to your life. Find out God will work for you and he will use his word to bless you in your life and to bring increase and to bring health and healing so that you in turn have a testimony for somebody else. Somebody needs your testimony that you don't have yet. You have testimonies now. You have them. God's been faithful. He's been true. But you have a testimony coming that somebody needs to hear. So what happens if you don't pass the test? What if you fall into the old habits, right? The old way of talking. We're just gonna climb over this mountain. We made it. What if? Where'd your testimony go? See, God has big things for you. Man, he's got big things for you. So use his word like he intended. Let him make the testimony of your life that when somebody asks what's going on, well, let me tell you what God did for me, right? There's just something about that, amen? Something about it. Use your words. In Mark chapter five, we see the woman with the issue of blood. I'm gonna wrap up here. Mark chapter five. Woman with the issue of blood. And, and there's two accounts of it. Mark, uh, Matthew 5 and then Mark 9. Um, sorry, Mark 5 and Matthew 9. Mark 5, Matthew 9. Mark 5, um, the Bible says that she was trying to get to Jesus. And, and in the King James, she said, she said within herself, if I can just get to him, if I can just get to him and touch his clothes, I'll be made well. That's what she said. And then in the other, in the other chapter, that was in Mark, or, uh, Matthew 9, in Mark chapter 5, she said out loud, she said, if I can just get to him and touch his clothes. And so it's like, well, which account is right? Well, they're both right. Because before you say something out loud, you said something on the inside. There's things you need to put on the inside before you say them out loud. She put on the inside, if I can just get to him and touch his clothes, I'll be made whole. And then it came out of her mouth, if I can just get to him and touch his clothes, I will be made whole. There was something about her commitment level when she spoke that that got her to Jesus. What was the result? Healing. Healing. There's something about saying it in and saying it out that will bring results to you. She proved it. She had to say it. Proverbs 18 says, in verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. The, verse 20 says, a man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth and when the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Come on now, those are words. And the very next verse says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. They that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You're either gonna partake in death based on your words or you're gonna partake in life based on your words. Amen. It's true, it's true. So seeing and believing that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one and his anointing, agreeing with that, you should do that daily. Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, spirit lives on the inside of me. His anointing is in me. His anointing is in me. Makes the difference. Changes the way you approach work. Changes the way you approach your spouse. Changes the way you talk to your kids. Changes the way you treat your dog. Dogs matter too. I don't know if all dogs go to heaven, but <laughs> gotta say it. Amen? Gotta say it.